Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I'm your host, Brendan Carrion. And today I am joined by my right-hand man in the mirror shades, Richie Buzzkill. What up, Leia? How you doing? Not much. Just uh, telling them primitive screwheads what's up. You know. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Got to regulate at the game table. That's right. right? You got to do this thing. Punch, right? punch, and we punch. Got- <laughs> 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 we got my uh, high school homie, Eric Mansh, bringing it in. How you doing, man? Hello, cultists. Hello, dual wielding katana. <laughs> Cutters. <laughs> How okay. long is your jacket? <laughs> oh, it's uh, it is ankle length. Oh, it's very nice. long. Nice. <laughs> Those katanas got to be concealed somehow, right? <laughs> Can't cover it. Can't cover it in every inch of flesh. Let me let me assure you. <laughs> Including the hood that goes over your head for the armor. Yes. More <laughs> hoodie. War hoodie. My mirror shades in my pocket. <laughs> and we're also joined by uh, Mr. Buzzkill's high school chum. We got Paul. What up? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's I'm looking forward to, to living on the edge and talking chrome. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. So uh, for those of you who are uh, longtime listeners of Full Metal RPG, you kind of know the format that we're doing here today. Yeah, for those of you who this may be your first episode... This is one of our deep dive episodes where we just really get into the the nitty gritty of a particular book. We're going to spend the entirety of this episode wall to wall talking about Cyberpunk Red. That's right. And so, in order to do this, we have we have made a crack team of two groups of high school buddies who role played with each other in the glorious '90s, so that we can really like get into these games and figure out like. Well, man, how does it stack up to when we were just just little little childrens and we had all these ideas about what role playing was and all this shit? And, and, and thus far, this is our second one. We've kind of like reviewed some kind of like nostalgia laden properties, right? Uh, v five was our first one. You can go back and check out those episodes. Uh, they're pretty popular, I think. And then uh, now we're on Cyberpunk Red, which is another kind of attempt to bring the '90s into the nows. And uh, uh, wow, wow, it does quite have the sort of mixed press that v5 did i think it has some fairly mixed results uh so let's get started let's just jump in right away um cyberpunk red gentlemen let's just get from a top level view kind of just just real quickly what'd you guys think of this book i think just starting out i think just my initial impressions of just like the systems in the book it it seems very similar to just like Cyberpunk 2020, just the feeling and just like the way it's kind of laid out. I mean, Cyberpunk 2020 is just like a book that was like kind of designed to be like, of course, like by the name Cyberpunk, it's designed to have the, like the feel of Cyberpunk. And, um, and of course, designed to give you allow you to create characters that are just like very fragile and, you know, like die at a moment's notice and um of course as we went through with the like the character creation episode a week ago like it's it's designed to allow you to create characters very quickly and of course there's been a lot of ostensible changes made to the setting which um sort of been updated but um so in in respect to the systems like the systems seem very similar to the original game but um, so, so those are kind of my initial, but 
Um, trying to like locate the game. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts, you know, where Cyberpunk is today. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much a game rooted in the 1980s. It's my if this if this if this book were a cyberpunk character, it would be a uh, it would be a character that's wearing some kind of hollow field that distorts the image around it, so you can't really actually tell where it is. There's like maybe like a kind of vaguely holographic version of itself right here, and a vaguely holographic version of itself right here, and then the, this is also a vaguely holographic version, and you're sitting there trying to get it in your scope, and you're like. I can't really tell where it is. It seems like it's multi-locating in three different places, but all of them seem equally hazy. Um, I heard you say the. I heard you say the word uh, "sorta" a number of times, and I feel like that's a really good word to describe a lot of stuff in this book. Is it's well, sorta like this, but then it's also sorta like that. Yeah. Um. Uh. I feel like there's a really deep. Uh, there's a really, there's a really deep dynamic range, and when you're in music, you talk a lot about dynamic range, right? Like, there's some stuff in this book that actually kind of like made my jaw drop how cool it was, and mm-hmm. then there was some stuff in here that just was like head smackingly kind of. And then with not spent their time and talent writing this book, there was some stuff I found to be kind of stupid. I was like, what what is this? Like, why would you write this in a book now, especially? Uh, so. Maybe somewhere inside that dynamic range, maybe somewhere inside that hollow field, there's a playable game in here. But there's there's only one way to find out, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think, Paul? What do you what, what are your concepts? I my takeaway from it is is I feel like in a lot of ways it's very anachronistic. I think it's going. I think people that played CP2020 are going to find a lot very familiar with this. I think in some ways it was a missed opportunity to bring it up into a more modern. I don't know, maybe modern's kind of a buzzword, but a more, I'm going to use it, a more modern system. Let's say contemporary. Like yeah, fair, something fair. More, more, yeah, more contemporary design. I, I think that there's some stuff, like, look, if you've listened to this show, and if you ha- if this is your first episode, welcome. Uh, but I am a stand for CP2020. Like, I, w- I love it. I love it. I love the game. I love the feel of the game. It's not my favorite to run anymore because it's really hard to like get all of the, you know, every cylinder, every little thing on the spreadsheet working right. But um, I really love that game. And I was super excited for Red coming out like this is my journey like i've heard it was coming out was like hell yeah dude we're gonna get a new cyberpunk and it doesn't have barbie dolls in it and uh like it was like sweet and it's got connected connections to having some money behind it so they can spend some money on art and like you know because they they had the whole you know they're kind of you know cyberpunk 2077 i know we didn't want to talk about that necessarily because it's a video game but like it's in continuity with this role-playing game, and uh, Mike Pondsmith was the story director on 2077. So, like, there, there's he was employed for that game. So, like, we're getting, I think, probably the most modern, you know, modern art version of this game that we're going to see. But the problem I have, and I, I, I think there's some, in, there's some. A couple core issues I have, but there's some beautiful stuff in here. The lore is top notch for a cyberpunk world. 
like you know just like being able to like pick and choose like we did for neo sea land on our character creation uh thing was fantastic like basically you get the night city book with this book that's one of the things about this book the reason it's so big is it's basically the core book and most of the night city book in one sure. book and, and we, 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 we'll get we to get into some right of that. but I it's a, it's I, I have I have some money. issues and we'll unpack those issues as we go. But I am still excited about this game. So, well, I think that you've cut you've you've hit on a couple things here that I want to address real fast. And the first one is is that like well we're not going to talk about twenty seventy seven. But I honestly think and this is going to be kind of a uh, departure for me. I don't really think we can talk about this book mm. without talking about twenty seventy seven. They're just. Uh, they were kind of developed in tandem and they were released kind of in tandem and they were obviously designed to be like kind of bookend products that kind of were, let's say like a pincher attack sort of product that was like, well, we're going to get these guys from this side. We're going to get these guys from the other side. We're just going to make a bunch of money. We're just going to take all their money. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's, and that's fine. So if you guys have insights on 77 and how it relates to this, I don't have any, but I'm more than, more than happy to hear yours on this show today. I think that our listeners who probably very likely interacted with that they probably want to hear them too so i'm not going to kibosh that today right the second thing that, that, that i really want to touch on that you that you brought up was you were talking about how much you love 2020 but how the the artifice of that game was no longer serving you and a lot of people talk about when a new edition comes out like well why is this edition coming out like are they just on the supplement treadmill did this run mm-hmm, out of fucking mm-hmm. books to write so they're so they're writing more books to make me spend more money but the pain points that you are describing are the ultimately good reason to write a new edition, which right. is the book had been out of print for a long time. They were going for insane prices on eBay. They were uh, the, the supplements were hard to get and they were going for even more insane prices. And then when you did get them, the systems were kind of clunky. The art was kind of clunky. The, it was really showing its age. The, um, if you were to hand that book to your friend and say, we're going to play a cool game about the future. And then they'd like open it up and there's like all these like Robert Palmer music video looking <laughs> yeah, drawings yeah. and shit. I love those. Tr- I like, love oh, that uh, art. I really do. I still love that art, yeah. but <laughs> we love that art because we experience it. It's like a nostalgia trip for us. But if it's somebody is not already invested in that, they're going to be like, what is this? I don't understand it. You know, right. then yeah. you have to talk them through it. So I think that kind of like what Eric was saying, the world was ready for a new edition of this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think they, they might have fumbled it a little bit. Go ahead, Eric. So, so one thing I, I really like about Cyberpunk Red's setting uh, in comparison to Cyberpunk 2077 is that the setting of Cyberpunk Red is actually a whole lot better than Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, it's much more interesting. It's it's a lot more in depth, and it's a lot more diverse, and potentially much more. It's just a lot more uh, captivating as a setting. I think um, there's actually more of a time difference between 2077 and Cyberpunk Red, in that most of I, I think what you're intended to play Cyberpunk Red as is that. I think you're sort of supposed to play it in the time of the red, which is sort of like 2045 in that time period. Yep. yep. Um, especially if you're going to play it within like like a Night City game, which is like right after this, you know, bomb blows up. 
Yeah, there's a radioactive city, essentially. <laughs> like, the main city, the core yeah. city is radioactive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then, like, Yeah, and that, so, that like, to me was one of the bizarro yeah. things in the book. And then, like, and it, it's weird when you contrast, like, setting of Cyberpunk 2077, which is, like, designer of Cyberpunk Red, which is ostensibly, you know, Mike Pondsmith is, like, one of the drivers behind this. And, and they're kind of, like, thinking about, like, all the modern issues of like climate change and you know you know post-nuclear devastation or like you know cyberpunk red you know like all these you know very significant climate change issues you know driving the heart of this book you know which are modern things that we're dealing with in actual like actually in 2020 now like let's let's think about what's going on whereas like cyberpunk 2077 is like the guy in you know that you went to high school with thinking about like yeah, boy, I really, I really love those days. You know, when we used to role play and play actual twenty seventy seven. Like, wouldn't it be great if we played a role playing game that was like that? We got the band back together. It's like a lot of the themes. I, I, I do actually like a lot of things twenty seventy seven does. I think twenty seventy seven. I think twenty seventy seven really feels yeah. like like twenty third. We'll call it red is like twenty forty five. Essentially, is like thirty years from apart. Anyway. Um, 25, 35 years. Anyway, um, like I feel like 77 is almost trying to capture what 2020 was like. Like, mm-hmm. like the because the play experience was like, is what you mean. Like, right? the play experience was like because one of the things about 2020 is it didn't have this environmental devastation kind of built into it. I mean, there was you know acid rain and they talk about it a little bit, but it's not like it's the 80s, so they don't really talk about global warming and all this other stuff. Uh, where in 77, it's like they've overcome the time of red. So like all the radioactivity and all the, you know, the environment has stable stabilized in this bad place, but it's not like, it's not a, I've played through the entire thing. They don't really talk about it. Like it's just not a thing in that, which I think is a real missed opportunity because I think it would have been really more interesting in the 2077 to have more, um, more things about, about the environment still devastating, even though it is, it's a desert. It's, you know, it, it's kind of a, but it's not like there's no sign of what happened before it. It just feels like that, that's sort of a bizarro choice. Um, yeah. honestly is to be kind of like, I mean, and, and, but it's not, I mean, it's not, it's bizarro from our point of view as consumers. It's actually not that bizarro yeah. from the perspective of people who are role-playing game designers who do this pretty regularly where they're like, Oh, big giant meta shift happens, and then they're like two books later. They're like, didn't happen. Just do the other thing. We just it came right back. Like the the mean is this over here, so it's going to come back to the mean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, But I will say, if you buy a role playing book, it will it will not crash on you, and you will be able to play it every day from the time (laughs) you buy it to the time you're done playing it. I don't know. There's and, definitely and your PS can be any size you want, any size, <laughs> any size. You don't even have even bigger, even <laughs> bigger than the, the video game that you do. Titanic wieners everywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it can crash, and we definitely have evidence of role playing games crashing. But that's a whole different topic, uh, and games themselves crashing. Um, when I hear you guys talking, I hear you guys re- referring '77 a lot to the 2020 experience, and I haven't, like, again, I haven't played '77, but I did play a fair amount of 2020. And what I kind of, kind of looping it back to Red, 
is my bird's eye view of this. My number one review is it's a it's a mixed muddled game that is essentially a love letter to itself. And mm. that is perplexing for a game that is supposed to be moving a setting and a system forward. It seems hopelessly mired in what it was from the core of its design all the way through its execution. Uh, Pondsmith et al. seem kind of weirdly fixated on the glories of the past and uh, the concept of sort of reinstating them in the present. And the changes that they've decided to make are kind of like what you guys have said, perplexing. They're just like, they just, and, and, and I can't remember who said it, I think it was Paul. The word missed opportunities yeah. just uh, abounds. It just abounds throughout this book. I'll tell you For instance, my, you start off, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to tell my, my initial, my initial impression of the system was, They've been fusion, the fusion system, the system that they've started with cyberpunk 2013 and have continued for this last since, you know, 35 years or whatever. It had, it was used for the Witcher RPG. And I feel like they reskinned the, the Witcher RPG back to cyberpunk instead of like, instead of taking out the medieval fantasy part of the, the like combat which this is this is my major problem with this game is the the there's too many hit points too many hit points I'm sorry I should be able to kill you in one shot and I can't and this is unless I shoot you in your naked head I cannot kill you with one shot with a regular pistol it's I've done the math it's what? really annoying <laughs> and it, that th when you say that that's your when you say that that's your major problem with the game I find that baffling because to me there are so many other things sure sure. I mean, there, I have I have issues with other, but my major problem is the fact that it's not the quick and the dead. You know, like, <laughs> my, let's, 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 since we're gonna now right. list yeah. beefs, here's right. my major system. What is fusion system? How am I to know what it is? There, literally, whenever you encounter a systemic problem inside the game that the mechanic is supposed to to discuss. It will literally divide that idea up into three ideas and then tell you to kind of a la carte choose which idea you want to use. And usually it goes on a spectrum from incredibly specific and granular to hand wavy, right? And then there's one that's dead in the middle, right? And says, choose one. And I'm like, as game designers, was it not sort of your responsibility to decide what the play experience was in this game and then write it for me and then I could choose to consume it or reject it. But this idea that like every few pages I have to make a new decision about what game it is I'm playing is incredibly vexing. There's there's not like a there's not a centralized premise in this game. At no point did they decide this is a game that's very narrative. It's designed to be low on detail, low on granularity, but very fast. And then they also didn't decide this is a game for nerds who want to just you know count beans and distribute points. They wanted it to be everything for everybody, and also right in the middle. And that and that <laughs> like that kind of lack of sort of like uh, like the iron gut, the intestinal fortitude in making that decision, I think really muddles the water. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I agree. See, I, I agree to the extent that you're saying that it that it muddles water and it makes two different games. Now, what I think is interesting is I probably so like Richard, you were saying you don't like it because of hit points because you can't kill the PCs. Right? Yeah, With one shot. I mean, like I know, I know that's a I know that's not necessarily a mo- you know modern thing, but like to me, the going back to like cyberpunk as a genre, right? I should feel at in danger at all times as a character. And that is not a thing. (laughs) And I, and I get that that is like a traditional cyberpunk thing, but here's the thing I do not like in cyberpunk games. I do not like in any role-playing game is everyone's going along. And like, I've invested like time and money, like bringing this character to maybe not money, but time anyway, and thought bringing a character to life and I'm walking down the street, and then I hear a clatter of dice, and it's like, well, your brains go flying onto the street. Make a new <laughs> character. Like, that's not a satisfying gaming experience for me. I know there are people that disagree with that. That's fair, but, and that's, that's and a I, modern concession. <laughs> and I, I feel like there is a thing that, you know, I feel like contemporary or modern games, like, they're, they're, it's about about telling a story and have some sort of continuity to it or maybe that's just how i play them and i and i feel like that's what they tried to do with the hit points is to make it like less lethal so that you can you can have some continuity of the narrative and not just like wipe out the party walking down the street but then they they don't want to acknowledge that they like you get into the gm section of it and it's like play for keeps people like walking out on the street should be able to be <laughs> the most deadly thing in the world like, yeah. don't don't fucking tell me that it's like you know you're gonna die any second and then build a system that it's impossible to die at any second well yeah it, it's and, it's kind of a mixed message because or it's like the the system is doing one thing and then the message in the book is you should make extra characters and the GM, you need to play for keeps and you need to like, I feel like I've read some of that GM vice before. I feel like some of it might've been pulled from some other, from, from the earlier books. So it may some not be pasta. Yes. Yeah, they may have like taken some stuff from, uh, listen up your primitive screw heads or even the 2020 or 2035, uh, or 20. Three, you know, V three cyberpunk that no one reads. The Barbie uh, doll one. Yeah. The Barbie doll one. Uh, I feel like that's a mixed message, and I and uh, that's to Brendan's point is there are some definite things like why is there three ways to make a character? Why, why oh, D- have man. have two, have two, have templates like just pregens? We, there's lots of games yeah. with pregens. Just put pregens out. You don't even have to like like let people pick their stats, or they can re you know like maybe make a couple choices like I would at a, at a con game, right? Like you could pick a couple things and a background and go or have the full bore thing, you know, you could do, you could put like DLCs on drive through and just have, and just have people be able to like, you know, like pay 99 cents and get 10 characters, pay, pay, pay five bucks and get 10 characters. I mean, like, like right now, this is the number two seller on drive through RPG. Mm -hmm. This is the number two bestseller of the week right now. Like people are, are downloading the shit out of this book. And, um, I just don't really feel like, I mean, I think part of that might be word of mouth and the success of the video game. And, but, but I think that the game that they're going to actually buy is going to vex the shit out of them, you know? Yeah, I think so. And 
And that's really kind of a shame because, like, I kind of want to. My real conclusion is I kind of want to make the Buzzkill edition and, like, fix. A what edition? A, the Buzzkill edition and just, like, mm. fi- fix the combat system. Uh, the Buzzkill t- cut. The Buzzkill cut. Uh, <laughs> uh, Richie Buzzkill Cyberpunk Red. And just like and and just like I'll just start hacking away at the book until I get uh, what I want and take it take out options like you're talking about. I, I think the character creation is really where that is. Like there's some rules that are a little fiddly like that, but there's not Dude. like not as many of those. I'm sure. You got you go into. OK. OK. I don't I'm, I don't know. I'm going to take you up on that. You go right. into I, I was just flipping through and I was like, I was like, OK, uh, here's the, the section on movement. Okay. Yeah. And the section on movement gives you three options, and it's like, here is what cars move. Here's what you move when you're walking. All right, and it gives you a walking speed. Yeah. And then it goes. That's like, and you can sit there and you can just get out your abacus and you can start calculating <laughs> that shit out. And then it goes, or you can do this thing where you just compare movement stats versus other things. And you're like, well, yeah, that's obviously what I'm going to do because I'm right. a fucking lazy GM and I don't want to fucking do all this goddamn math, right? And then right. it says, or you can just hand wave it because it doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you know, like, like, uh, uh, it's, it's like really the story is the most important thing. And I'm just like, well, why don't you just say that? You know, because once you, you give me all this shit about like, I need how many kilometers per hour my character can walk. And then you, then like three sentences later, you're saying, but none of that actually matters. Just fucking hand wave it. You could have well, boiled that down to one sentence. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the, the problem with it is, is it's like a lot of these, updated 90s games is they don't want they don't want to piss anyone off that ever played the game mm, they want mm, if you've yeah, ever played exactly. the game to be able to go back and like that's what i remember give me that dose of nostalgia right there <laughs> right into the vein yeah but i can it, i can it, just like pull this out like what <laughs> yeah, you know like, like i can yeah. just pull this out and like I mean, you know. back on the Arcalsorian webpage what? you can just go buy a brand new copy yeah <laughs> for, for for all of the crap, much of it deserved that D&D 3E got. I think that was one of the things that was great about it. Because, like, 3E and 2E, and I loved 2E. That was my home version of D&D. Like, that's where I run home to mama for, you know, any sort of fan, fantasy role-playing. 2E and 3E could not be more dissimilar to each other in far as the way they run, as far as their mechanics, as far as like, I feel like they killed their darlings when they went to go make that system to a large degree, not perfectly, but to a large degree here. I feel like, Oh my God, we have to have like everything from the original one. Cause if we don't put that in, if we don't make it like that, then somebody's going to look at it and they're going to complain on the internet, not by the book. It's like, uh, make see, a new game. Like you're see, putting out a new game. I, I, I do feel that anxiety that you're describing when I read this book a little bit. The kind of like, like, oh, we don't want to piss anybody off. But, I'm, but that is also kind of kind of compounded with a like, aren't we fucking clever? We basically invented this shit. But it's like right. then they're jamming in shit from like 1992 that like feels fucking like just off key now. It's just like. Like, bro, like, we have 30 years of fucking, like, RPG, like, uh, development and just new ideas, new blood, bro. Like, you, you can't draw new blood with a dull knife. 
And why is it that here it is, 2021, and we're paying 60 bucks for a book that seriously feels 30 years old, like right out of the gate? I mean, oh boy, there is some stuff in here where you're like, this is dated AF, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I feel like you could have started this book at page 233, where they start talking about the, you know, the new dark future or whatever. Cut out the first half of the book and just send it like that. And you'd get most of the good. And then just run it in CB 2020. Like, <laughs> it's just a supplement. Your yeah. CB 2020 book, just republish that so you could actually buy a copy of it. And then sell this. It's like... This is one of the things that I that, that that Richie has kind of alluded to and that I actually really kind of agree with Richard is that this book is incredible value for money. Okay? Oh, yeah, because it's crazy. You're looking you're looking at it and you're like, oh, man, this is kind of a trad game, right? Ooh, 60 bucks. And it's like fucking what, like 300 pages. And, oh, man, you know, but then you actually open it up and it turns out that the system is really only the first half. And the rest of it mm-hmm. is a setting location and uh gm's guide and you're like fuck you really kind of bought like three books at the same time and and to hear that they like sort of copy pasted in stuff from the the gm manual from the 90s i mean you could say well that's a little intellectually lazy but you could also say like who of the new people that are playing this game have that book i mean we have that thing sitting around on our shelf so we're rebuying it sure but most of the people who are buying playing this game aren't and so this is the the fact is is that some really great gm manuals were written in the 1990s and to kind of take some of that like like that really valuable content that still applies in today's like role-playing environment bringing it into the now that's value added you know i'll take it yeah i'm I'm glad i'm glad it's not 400 pages of fucking systems like a goddamn Shadowrun book oh yeah jesus (laughs) no 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 yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, and I, I will add that in the GMs, there's a lot of real, it's one of the better GM, how to GM a game sections, even though I do disagree with a couple of the principles, like that you should murder your people, the players at any given opportunity. Um, and again, I acknowledge that is classic cyberpunk. I am the outlier. I am, I am I, I, I'm the I get one that. on the outside on that opinion. But like, uh, they have a whole thing in here about campaign beats that's right from, you know, Robin Law's Hamlet. Campaign hit, beats is awesome yes it's- the, i don't think i've seen outside of hamlet's hit points i don't remember seeing that in a gm section of a of an rpg somewhere where it talks about beat theory or narrative which is so crazy to me in a game where it talks about it wants you to kill your protagonist for no like <laughs> randomly. well it's not well, randomly it's not like, randomly you're you're supposed you're you're supposed to like make it feel dangerous because it is dangerous that that this is a dangerous environment these characters are inhabiting and if you don't make it dangerous then it's hard for people to like play off of that one of the things that has been kind of somewhat i've realized there are many phases i went through with this game and there's <laughs> not this game, but in particular, but Cyberpunk 2020 is. Oh, I thought you meant while you were reading this book, like you were laughing and you were crying and you were angry. <laughs> well, that too, that too, that too. But we'll get to that, that later. That was me. That was you and me. Uh, but uh, is Cyberpunk one of the things? And we were talking. I was talking to somebody. Uh, I think they said they they the game master had their character uh, captured, right? 
and put into a facility that they were going to basically become these like horror. They, they were going to introduce the old uh, Knight's Edge vampire thing from the. They were playing 2020. And, oh, yeah. This was on our Discord. This right. is uh, the homie Meat Poor and uh, Ava. Go right. ahead. Right. And there was a dude that was like, no, fuck you. My character wouldn't get captured. And then just fucking flipped the table and walked out. And it was like, bye, Felicia. But like, th- there are people out there that Cyberpunk is all about being a, it's a badass simulator. Like, being a badass simulator is like one of the Venn diagrams of, of Cyberpunk. And they, they say specifically in there that the GM advice says, no, these are not badasses. These are people trying to survive. But then you look at the the system and it doesn't support that idea with the basic right. health system. So it, 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 it does support the idea of the badass simulator. Like this is like probably the best version of badass simulator they've ever produced because like <laughs> you literally have to shoot. If you want to sh- one shot kill somebody with Kevlar with like Kevlar is a like a low level armor in this game. You have to hit them with seven hit dice and max out with 30 hit points. Like that is insane to me. Like that's like a that's like shooting an RPG at somebody and like they just like I didn't max out my dice and they lived. Like what the fuck? Like well, and, and then you get the additional mix message and I, I'm going to bring this back up. I brought it up in the character creation thing, but I'm going to bring it up again because it. It's the most aggravating thing I think I've ever seen in an RPG book before on page 78. When you're making the characters and they're giving you your stat points, they have a starting character somewhere between a minor supporting character and a major supporting character. So your PCs, they're not, they're not actual, like, you know, protagonists. They're a middling support character right. as of, like, the default. So, like, which is it? That's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> like you there, like, middle like, support like, character. That, they have like minor hero and major hero on top of major supporting character. I, like, I just think that was bad gradation. Like they're just it's you're you're, you're getting into pedantic fuck territory. But like it's <laughs> <laughs> your character. Your characters are, are Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Okay, don't think don't, don't right. think that you're anybody important in this. Okay, you're right. on the side making commentary. Um, I'm just going to hand Takeshi Kovacs his, his ammunition as he runs around and kills everything. Because <laughs> I'm a middle East core character, not a, not an actual protagonist. Uh, I, I I will take a second. I want to draw some attention to something I really love in this game, and, because I feel like I've said a bunch of shitty things, and probably just sounds like a complete hater on CPR. And I don't want to. I don't want to hate. It's easy. It's easy to sit here and pile on for the lulls or whatever. But there are some things in the game that I do appreciate, mm-hmm. and, and one of them was in this um, GM section that uh, I think is superlative. And uh, on page four hundred eight, there's this idea of what kind of player am I, and mm-hmm. you're supposed to give this little quiz to all of your players at the beginning of the game. And this is a and of the stuff that's in the game and i don't know if you guys have seen this in old versions of the game i certainly don't remember it but this is one of the things that feels very new no that wasn't like that was never in the old game <laughs> and, and this is and this is like a kind of a new narrative gaming idea right which is we're gonna do a player survey at the beginning of the game and we're gonna um see what kind of experience you want now most role-playing games of the contemporary age are kind of like well let's do lines and veils let's see what your expectations are of the game but this is actually kind of creating an idea so that the so that the gm can get a sense of who you are 
right? And it asks you to circle things in this matrix that you like to do. And then it kind of defines what kind of experience it is that you're looking for at the table. And, inter- and you know, one of them is like, oh, I'm, I'm a big role player guy. I like to inhabit my character. One of them is like, I like to blast things and kill things. One of them is like, I like to discover secrets and stuff. But the one that blew my mind was this idea on the matrix that there are people who are going to come to your game and they're just there to chill with their friends and they don't, and, 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 and mm-hmm. chilling with your friends in the form of a game, the game is just the medium for chilling with your friends. And then on the next page over uh, four ten and four eleven, it tells you how to award experience points to each different type of player. So based on what type of player they are, they will earn experience points differently rather than trying to force players into a mold. And this one that they call the socializer, which is basically just like someone who's there to hang out with their friends, you can earn fucking experience points in-game for, like, drawing the maps and reminding your friends to use their powers and being the dude who shows up with a six-pack and orders the pizza. You get fucking experience points for that. Yeah, hell yeah. and I'm like, that is fucking yeah. brilliant. Yeah, that, sec- that section of the GM's guide, that section with the beats and the experience points, chef's it's, kiss, chef's kiss, it's so beautiful. Mint. It's so mint. Like, rather than having a big fucking World of Darkness type dissertation about, like, what we're doing is improvisational theater, <laughs> you need to come here with your black turtleneck on and really get into your character. You know what I'm saying? It just says, like, some people are going to want to do that, and some people are going to want to be the guy that orders the pizza. And you shouldn't discriminate against the guy who wants to order the pizza. And I'm like, I fucking love it. I mean, and that that that's just a breath of fresh air. In you know, and I really kind of wish there had been more stuff like that in in the book. Was there anything else that stood out to you guys about that was that was new or that really uh, made you excited about the material? I just like you know what you know in the context that I come at a lot of you know, role-playing games where I, I, you know, I deal with a lot of people who, you know, just don't have a lot of time and don't have a lot of ideas and who just may have, like, a kernel of interest in a particular game and, you know, just play a lot of, you know, like, one-shot type of games. I I did really appreciate the character creation um, method where, you know, just, you know, if you don't have, like, a, you know, just the the simple character creation method and um, where, you know, you just have, a, like, a bunch of character creation seed ideas where you can, you know, if you're running as a GM, you like it. Like, here's your, here's your character's... Um, character has an anime. Your character has a motivation, you know, and where we were putting those all together the last episode. And, you know, if you just... If you're a player who has just, like a, like, a general idea of what you want to play, you can just put those together, you know, very, very quickly. And if you're not... If you're, not, if you're a socializer type of player... That's that's a very good way to just get somebody on board who who just has a you know just kind of an inkling that they maybe want to play a game, but don't maybe want, have a huge time investment. And we were able to get some characters generated who are interesting characters, you know, very very quickly. And and I will. So I, I like that. I'll, I'll riff off of that. Like, and I think CP twenty twenty did a good job of this too. I think this does a better job of it. it for a crunchy, for lack of a better word, game, it does more to create a living character at the outset with minimal amount of work from the player. You know, and some people are going to like that, some people are not. And of course, it's always optional if you, you know, if you know have to come in with a real firm idea of what you want to do and your place in the world and all that. 
and your GM's, you know, at least semi-reasonable, he's going to work with you on that. But I like that, like, you know, you've never seen RoboCop. You have no idea what this is. You know, your your buddy Richard drug you in, and you're like, I don't know. I like computers, and I've listened to a Ramones album. Like, sure, why not? We'll do this. <laughs> Sounds can, about right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can roll some dice, and, like, it tells you about your character, of, like, where you came from, what you like, what you're attached to. Um, and, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, I would be really annoyed if I was going to actually play this. And, you know, I had a, a, a GM that was like, no, you must roll on this and you're stuck with it. Like, screw your idea. But I also probably wouldn't play a game with that GM of any kind. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that those tables now I'm going to be spicy. But you, I'm just saying let's be positive and I'll be spicy. I think that um those tables for the generic life path could have been way better. But the, I, the tables for the roles the, were super good because they really, they give you an idea of how your character is functioning in the world, right? Like you don't have to read the whole fucking the time of the red section. You don't have to watch a million cyberpunk movies. You show up to play and you roll uh, the, what does my character do in this game on those tables? It will give you an idea of like what it is you're supposed to do, right? At the, yeah. at the very least, you'll be able to play for the first couple of sessions. Now, the ones on the front end that are like, what did your parents do? What were their jobs? And what kind of clothes do you have? And what sort of hair do you have? I was just kind of like, I wish these had been better. I wish these had mattered. Um, I think there's an OSR vibe in this where they, I think that, I think that the, the, the Pondsmith et al. were not so deaf to the new era of role playing that they didn't look into what the OSR is, which is perhaps one of the biggest movements, the most important and influential movements of the last 10 years. But I think when they dug into it, they were like, they didn't understand what they saw. And they were like, Oh, it's just cascading tables. Well, we know we know about cascading tables. We've always written cascading tables. And then they wrote this series of cascading tables that were just like, Oh, cool. I roll a D 10 and, I have no friends. Yeah, they you could have just told they, me I had no friends. <laughs> well, they, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree that. with you and push back push back on you with this. I agree it could have been better, but better sure. compared to what? Like, pick any version of Dungeons and Dragons and compare the amount of like baked in, making a character connecting you to the world. The character creation does in any version. I'll let you pick your version of D and D. And this is way better than that. Like, this gives you more connection to the world than now ever will. 100%, 100%. But uh, my retort is, is if you look at a game like Electric Bastion Land, which is literally just your entire character is just made off of a series of cascading tables, and you really almost have no choice as to what your character is, it, what, what your choice is going to be how you choose to play these ideas that you're amalgamating from the characters, from the, from the tables, and the tables are so rich and so interesting and invest you so deeply. And every single table is like feels really worthwhile. And there's no throwaways. There's no like there's certainly no like roll for the color of your hair, which you don't need to roll for that. And uh, roll to see how many friends you have. And seven out of ten rolls equals zero. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, so that would be my retort. Right. And to me, these the life paths, which is what we're talking about. This is an upgrade over 2020 for certain for 100% certain. This is an upgrade over 2020 because one of the problems with 2020 and I love the life path system because I think it, there are some interesting things you can get to get from it. 
also as a GM, I love having characters that have a bunch of like nice meaty hooks out of them that I can like start plucking things out of. For so, reals. So if we had if this had not existed, right, then we would just had the badass simulator, and then I as a GM have to basically like ask the players to either write a background or like uh, you know, basically have like a running dialogue that I can't necessarily use later, but, um, but the upgrade of the, the, the life paths for each individual, uh, cl- uh, class, uh, career are really amazing. Like, I love that a lot. I wish, like we said in the, in the, uh, character creation, um, session like that it wasn't a 70 percent chance that the whatever you were going to roll you weren't going to roll on that chart like that is just weird to me like i don't understand why you wouldn't have either roll like there's a there's a way to cascade those charts such that every roll matters like you're saying and i think that's if i roll a die it should give me something and not just tell me does fuck off like <laughs> I, mean, I I get it as to friends. I don't get it as to enemies and the and the scorn lovers thing. Because I I think there's part of this that again it's supposed to be this like gravitates towards that I'm the lone wolf in the dark world standing. <laughs> you know? So like I kind of get why a lot of people don't have like close friends. Cause that kind of ties in with their, there's an inherent alienation to the genre, right? Like that yeah. you're, you're, so I get it with friends. Now enemies, I don't know why it's not like roll a D 10 and add 10 to it. And that's a lot of enemies yeah. to make. You really want to, you want less overhead for the GM is already, they're already working really hard. So like, you know, like start with three enemies. Everybody starts with three enemies. We'll work it from there. <laughs> Richard, did you have a chance to talk about like, uh, an aspect of the game that you really liked? I did not. Um, why don't, why don't you lay it on us? Cause I feel like I just started rolling over you. With I, my opinion. I, I think I got no, no shortage of opinion. Fair, fair enough. That no, I know because we do the show twenty four seven. So I'm very very aware uh, of your. But uh, I want to say that I kind of was, you know, I I I was super excited for the way that they changed armor because I think there there was an option to do it that way. I think one of the problems I've had in the past is you can basically make a impossible to kill character with armor, and they made it so that was not a thing anymore, even with just regular bullets but then that's what sent me off the cliff of the hit point nonsense i've been ranting about this entire time but i think what the other thing i i would say i love is the fact that a gun is a gun (laughs) here's your pistol you could put whatever skin on top of this pistol you want and i did find a chart that said oh do you have a cheap pistol it you can say what it is like that's you can give in world reasons for the that for whatever uh miltech pistol you have or whatever arsaka uh machine gun you know what the name is that i found that chart later in the back i but i like that from a uh uh from a 
modern perspective of I do not have time to go through all all the Chromebooks and all the other books to find my shit. Like I love I used to love that. I don't have time for it anymore. So I realized that when I was trying to make 2020 characters a, a couple years ago, I was like, I, I just don't have the I, I don't I just don't have the energy to do this right now. So like the fact that I just have a pistol and we're firing a pistol. Fantastic. I love that. And I actually think that the while I would have said reboot the lore, start again, if you're going to not call it a year, if if I was designing this, I said, we're going to start, we're going to have all those like classic companies and stuff come up in the cyberware, but I would have restarted the timeline in 2020 or whatever and gone forward and, and had a, a, a I would have ditched it. Even though I'm a fan of the old game and I love the old game, I would have ditched the timeline and been even more focused on the environmental devastation. But I do love the lore in this book. And it's one of the few books I actually like reading the lore in because there's usually something I'm thinking about. They'll be like, Oh, that, that was, that's totally a thing. I'm like, awesome. (laughs) So, um, Wait, since since you've hey. taken some time with the math on this game, I'm wondering, did you have an opportunity? And this was a sticking point to me. I always cock my eyebrow when I see these. Mm-hmm. Um, to go through the difficulty values on, um, I did, and, and and compare them versus like, imagine some guy has figured out that 29 DV equals legendary. And they're going to just pump all their points into being legendary at one thing. And then they're going to legendary the fuck out of this game doing that one thing like every round. Have, how, I, how hard is it to do that? It's really easy. Like, it's incredibly easy. <laughs> um, the, the, difficult, the, the difficulty values are too low. I I didn't get a chance to really like we I ran a one shot with Paul and uh, Nolan and Woodfin. Uh, at the beginning of the year and um, it was incredibly easy to hit like super easy like you didn't even have to be any good at it at all like and that to me is both a blessing and a curse because Mm -hmm. I see only curses well well, for the players that you know would have to sit there round after round after round trying to hit something like that can be incredibly frustrating too. So that's a, that's definitely a game designer calibrating, but I feel like I would also in the buzzkill edition, probably bump the DV DBs DV of the, the range chart, which is also something I'm not super in love with because every weapon has a different value difficulty value to hit something at different ranges. I'm not super in love with that. Uh, I probably make a one chart like there was in 2020 so I could snap it out because otherwise it kind of gets a little too much, but I would probably bump the difficulty value up at least three, maybe five. <laughs> I, I think that kind of goes back to one of the themes that we've had of this review of the game and it really does seem to be on that, like encouraging a more narrative play style versus like the classic cyberpunk lethality with that, with, with what you're saying there with, with the math, because if you're, if your goal is, you know, we're like, you know, this ultra elite 
thing that maybe can't fix the darkness, but like we can fix this little corner of the street for this like one moment in time. So then you want this hyper competent, you know, Takeshi Kovacs kind of character. Or if the thing is just like, well, everything sucks and we're all just going to get ground down to dust and I'm just some schlub eating kibble and I'm going <laughs> to run around until I catch a bullet, like walking down to, you know, refill my kibble bucket. Then, you know, then you maybe you shouldn't be able to hit something with a gun relatively easily. You know what I mean? Well, I think you've you've you've, you've kind of hit on um, one of the sort of like boggles that all game designers sort of go through when they are approaching a game such as this and they're kind of like well like how difficult is difficult how difficult is too difficult and um a classic kind of standby right now is um when people are talking especially about like things like osr and pbta or whatever is it's kind of like well you need to roll when the outcome is in question right and what the problem with a uh, design philosophy that's like this, that essentially like in the front half of the book, it has the, the basic difficulty values page. And it's just like, and, and it states out like what the, like the expectation is of the world for these particular ranges. And then it gives you like a whole catalog of modifiers and, and an astute person could get in there and start working those modifiers and figuring out what it's going to take to be able to hit those super high values all the time. And then when they roll, because you're like, roll to find out what happens. Roll when the outcome is in question. And they've made it so that the outcome is not in question. They're always going to succeed. And like, right. and, and, and in order for them to not succeed, you either have to be playing like from the bottom of the deck, which they will know, and they'll be like, you're just trying to fuck me. Or um, it's just a very, very slim margin of error. You, like, you uh, run like, into oh, that hey. pipe. You run into that Paizo thing where you're a fifth level character and there's a DC 45 history check to find out the interesting <laughs> bit of information. Right. It, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, um, exactly. you know, because realistically, if you have a five stat, a five reflexes, and you have a five skill or even a, you know, a th and it's a difficulty 13, like, it's not that hard. But if you're pumping, if you're <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're totally right. If, like, yeah, if you're, you're just gonna blast through that shit, you're gonna blast through that shit. But nobody's gonna die, so you're everybody's gonna be shooting each other, and just bullets are just gonna be hitting each other. But they're not dying for rounds. Like this is the this is the thing that I was having an issue with. But what to your point of making that Munchkin character, there is a critical failure in here. At when you roll a one, you re-roll and. Re subtract from your result but that's only a 10 yeah. it's, it's like a 10 percent chance that you're not gonna you know like if you work the numbers you can totally like hit every time even at yeah. long ranges and and i'm not you know it's not what i want <laughs> these kind of and in this kind of game with the the way that the difficulty values are set out like this this gets back to one of the core points we made at the very beginning, which is this is a very 90s game, right? This is how 90s games uh, defined success and failure, and you can see a lot of this in Shadowrun. You can see a lot of this in World of Darkness. Um, and and with uh, th those games have histories of kind of like, uh, like feel badsies about how that shit works out because, again, like I keep saying, an astute player can get in here and, and figure out how to like Hey, 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 uh, failure is not a thing that I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I only do one thing, 
but I always do it. And then, and then, you know, the, the whole, the, the, the foundation of the game begins to decompose like underneath your feet, because I mean, that no problem. Certain- I can't solve. I can't solve with my specialization in silver edge katanas. <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. Also, also, I mean, because not only will you have, you know, when 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 every problem, uh, when all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, right? But like, uh, uh, the other players will pick up on that, and they'll be like, they'll be like, well, I guess I should just dump all of my skills into this other thing. And if you have a bunch of players who are observing this phenomenon in the system, it's very easy to get a table of like three or four people who have just min-maxed in one particular area. And then it's kind of like the Power Rangers. It's like, oh, well, this is this is the thing that I always succeed at. You'll do the thing that you always succeed at next. You know what I'm saying? Well, the per- I think the perfect example of that is, uh, is actually Pathfinder. So, like, you can perfectly reasonably play Pathfinder without min-maxing it. Mm-hmm. What yeah. you cannot do is play a Paizo-published module without min-maxing <laughs> it. And it, and it becomes true. that thing. It's, it, it, it's, it's that mutually assured destruction thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. once one person does it, then everyone has to do it. Yeah, and you and you literally have you have to do it, and the people at the table will get angry at you for for playing wrong, right? The, oh yeah, you'll, you'll you'll be sitting at the table and somebody like the guy who's like really good at reading the rule book and understands the correct choice on the skill tree will yell at you like that's a suboptimal feat. Why are you taking a suboptimal feat? And it's like, oh. and that's not that's not fun either. And, you know, anyone's always going to play in that particular way. I mean, you can't really design around like someone, you know, picking the optimal, the optimal build in any particular for any particular character. I mean, um, well, you you design by making the optimal build not matter, right? Like right, that's. Right. I, 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 su- I suppose. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, I mean. I'm I'm with I'm with that's, Paul on this one. I, that's how I kind of see it. Like if you look at OSR games and it's like somebody's like has built like a super like min max character. It's like congratulations, you just made the like best character in a world that like is like completely ho- uh, hostile to your existence, and you'll probably die anyway. The best or character really, in Morkborg, like yeah, exactly. Okay. The best character, the, the most competent character in Morkborg, is incrementally more competent than the worst character in Morkborg. Right. I mean, look at look at look at any PBTA game. Like, and, and there, there's fine. clearly like a mechanically correct way to build the character in all of those, but like. Sure. But who cares? Okay, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't like. There's no. There's no intrinsic way to win at PBTA. Like it's right. like if you're trying to win at PBTA, you're on some level not playing PBTA anymore. You know what I'm saying? You've you, you've approached the game from the entirely wrong direction. Ooh, you've well, got so much experience do- points that your character retires. Oh, oh, now have a new character. Okay, done. Well, and also, <laughs> also when you're optimized. Just because it's optimized in one of those settings doesn't mean that you dominate the narrative or you dominate the combat. I think you said it earlier, like optimized and normal is there's not a huge gap between it. Right, right. You you want to compress that space. And if we're talking about dynamic range, then we're trying to compress that space down into a spot where everybody can have fun. I don't. Um, I don't Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I don't think we talked about it, but the art and the ads in this thing are amazing. And I did not want to get to the end of this podcast without 
saying. Oh, Defo's Defo's not. Before we get to that, though, I do want to ask uh, Eric. Did I talk to you about what was your favorite thing? I'm I'm sorry. I'm very in the moment when I podcast. I can't fucking remember. <laughs> no, no, I, I literally can't remember two seconds ago. It's like that movie Memento. Did, did yeah, we discuss yeah. your favorite thing? Well, you know, I'm I'm not really a, like a systems guy. I don't really you know take apart you know uh, you know what what i really liked about you know i i like the simplicity of it and just like the approachability of you know being able to um you know understand and get to grips with with everything uh with, with oh, some, oh. some regularity and, and, and all of that but i i do like um you know the basic um uh underpinnings of you know the way uh, just the uh the rig of the background of uh, of the you know, the time of the red, I, I liked the um, they've done with some of the um, like like in particular like what they've done with like the uh, like the African nations and how they've done with that like that that whole area like how they basically become like the uh, um, the space belt effect- yeah, effectively they, they, they rule space essentially exactly they 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 become the the space industrial power in in the time of the red um you know con- constructing all of these orbital platforms now now that the uh the put in the post corporate 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 war era you know they everyone else has basically destroyed themselves and it like it's fun it, it's it's interesting to like just imagine a world in which you know, the the current um, world in which we currently uh, understand is pretty much uh, upended itself, and, uh, and and so you know, imagining a campaign which you know you engage with those kinds of ideas is kind of interesting, and uh, and so I, I do like that they've done that. Although you know, a lot of what we currently understand, I think like just kind of like the the other side of that coin I, I think you know there's a lot of missed opportunities i think with this game in it, our current understanding of cyberpunk you know what people you know in you know past like generation x like millennial generation of cyberpunk uh, is not really grasped at all i think i agree with richard and like i think they should have just like rebooted the timeline entirely and like kind of reimagine what like cyberpunk even is like, I mean, there's like, like people's like current understanding of the, like the internet is like, like not even really dealt with here. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's certainly, that that's certainly one of those things because it started before it was the pre it predicted so much stuff and it kept going with that, those predictions, even though a lot of it's very true, but some of it, you know, it's it's somewhat becomes this uh, I've called cassette futurism. A lot of people like you know like there's that there's this like not based on the '80s taking the '80s forward and not yeah, accounting yeah. for all this other stuff. You know, and I, I'm fine I with what, that. What but. Sure about your hard drive costs eighty billion dollars. <laughs> nobody nobody in nobody in 1985 would have imagined the uh, the, the prospect of like. YouTubers existing in in current in the current future, like at like how yeah. that would like right with, like, the idea of like identity and like yeah. <laughs> dude dude hundred percent and that's not even yeah. in this book that's like nowhere in this book well um, it, it, it is a little bit because of the data pools like each city has a data pool and you can become famous in the data pool but it's a very small thing of uh, because the internet isn't worldwide it's like 
you have a city internet and then you have these connections it's it's they're trying to deal with it a little bit but it does it just comes off as like hey we want this to be a thing, but we don't know how to do it because of all this yeah. cruft. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and I think that is a real problem with these legacy games that we see from the late eighties, early nineties, and that we're like trying to grapple with the future and could, didn't realize that they were still going to be making that game in the future. That they would yeah. they would eventually catch up with themselves, and we see this problem in Shadowrun. We see this problem in Rifts. We see this problem now in Cyberpunk Red. On some level, we see this problem in Vampire, where they're kind of like, "Ha ha, it never happened." Ah, <laughs> but it totally um, did. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but 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 I think I, I think you're right. Like these kind of weird <laughs> alternate histories of the of the of the future, where the of the future where they're like in the grim future of 1990. Uh, President, you know, Bullhorn Maverick takes over, and you're like, oh, okay, you know, why don't you guys just chuck all that shit and rewrite it? You know, we all know about Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Let's just fucking put that in the book because, I mean, it's a bit more grounded, it's a bit more real, and it's a bit more like accessible and like approachable. Um, now, we are definitely on the back half of the show. Uh, there's a couple points I wanted to get to before we call it quits. So one of them is a little bit more kind of gaming and systemic. The other one is uh, what Paul was um, suggesting, which was uh, an aesthetics concern. Like, let's, let's, let's cover aesthetics. Before we get to aesthetics, I'd just really like to take a second and talk about how we feel about um, the roles uh, to me, mm. roles kind of stood out as some like a, a little bit perplexing in this game because it's a class-based system. I don't know that this game and the style of play that it encourages loves a class-based system. And then they made a, like they did with everything else. They made a bunch of fucking weird choices on it. Like for one, this is a game about the future, and uh, you know things like gender and identity are much are, are very much in flux right now. And I think they'll be even more so in the future. And yet. For some reason, they made this decision to really keep a lot of gendered language in this book, which um, I don't think that was a good idea. I think that like contemporary role-playing writers are really trying to scrub gendered language from their books, and not just in the like we're always referring to the GM as a he, which I think is like you know I think that's kind of like weirdly sexist, and I don't fucking love it. But also, when they get into the roles, they just they didn't they defos did not want to change the name of the rocker boy from being the rocker boy. And then there's a picture of a, of a uh, ostensibly female person underneath it. And they're like, look, a f an ostensibly gendered female person can also be a rocker boy. And you're like, huh, I don't know why you didn't just call it the rocker or the oh, the, rocker, like, yeah. the subversive <laughs> musician or something. And, and you might think to yourself, oh, well, they were really trying to like keep in tune with the old game. But then they're like, they changed the corp to the exec. So they mm. did. And then they changed the cop to the law. So it's not even like they're like, well, we can't change the name. Yeah. That shit's sacrosanct. Well, like, it's, but we defos have to have the rocker boy in there. There's a lore reason why it's called Lock, Rocker Boy, and it's really dumb. And they should have stopped. They should have ditched it really bad. It, it, there's like a rocker. There's a rocker that's the original Rocker Boy. It was like somebody Rocker Boy was what he was called, and that's what I think. I read it, that part. That sounds it, familiar. It, and that's that. that sucks. They should. They should have just that jettisoned sucks. that. Like, no, they used to call Rocker Boys. Now I call them rockers or we call them like you know street preachers or so you know whatever like or, <laughs> or you know they could just be like a celeb or right. some kind of like, like an influencer or something and then you like open it up to be like any kind of person that produces cultural media and influences people with it which which 
again, and here's another problem with this fucking book, is you read the one-page splat, and it tells you kind of about what your role is in the book. But then you have to, like, turn the pages to the middle of the book where it explains the skills, and only there does it tell you how to actually use your skills and how they manifest in-game. And then, weirdly, they put it, like, after the the mm. notoriously boring skill section where the people are just going to be like rolling their eyes and like wanting to go to sleep while they're reading it. So they put one of the most interesting, fundamentally interesting sections of the book at this like weird spot in the middle. You're not even going to be like looking for it there, you know? Um, and, and it's a change. And it's a change from 2020 because those those skills, those role skills, are much different than they are in 2020. And it's way better. It's way fucking better than it used to be. Like, there's way more interesting shit in those role uh, roles uh, uh, than there used to be. And it's fantastic. But they put it in the wrong fucking place. (laughs) In the wrong fucking place. And this is exactly what I was going to say, Richard. You're 100% right. These are bombs. These are are actually pretty good. There's a couple ones that are kind of dead where you're like, the med tech, the character that, that uh, both Eric and I thought would be actually really interesting to play, gets totally screwed. Your fucking your fucking roll abilities are terrible. Like you, you just fucking sucked. You you just you fucking rolled yeah, snake. That was that was, that was my ability. Surgery. I get to perform surgery. I think yeah. It was yeah, yeah. That's when is that gonna happen? Right. How's that gonna come up? Um, and then the corp is also kind of interestingly bland like it's almost like 50 50 where on one hand you get like a a crew of assassins that you can bring with you everywhere but then on the other hand you get all these essentially what you might call if you're making a paizo character like uh, paul says like dead ranks where it's like you get insurance and you're like what like is my character my dad from 92 <laughs> where i'm like like literally at rank one it says you get some you get a suit and you can't sell it i'm like what like, yeah in a, an apartment you can't sell and like yeah, yeah there's some weird shit in there but the team is bomb though the team is the team is, is is really interesting and i could see like a whole game where you just like have you know you could play the team uh, of the of corp you know but <laughs> the team is cool but it has a problem built into it which is the same as the problem that's built into the solo uh uh abilities combat awareness because combat awareness is also fucking awesome but yeah. both of those systems are going to bog down everything that you fucking do the second that you are in combat and it's time to start using these abilities and the guy who's playing the exec goes well I have like a team of like six guys and now they're all going to do actions and the solo goes, well, I have combat awareness 10. And so now I need to start spending my points to see what it is. I do fucking good night. Everybody else just leave. You know what I'm well, saying? the, the net runner, the net runner goes into the same category as that. Cause the net runner, uh, we haven't mentioned the net runner and it's way better than it used to be. Cause it used to be fucking terrible. Cause it, no one used it. Now it's like at least they have to go and it's not a separate dungeon, but there's they still take more actions than anybody else. So it's still a problem. But <laughs> I guess it bears mentioning the Netrunner. But we all but because this because this game was not a bullseye, we knew they were going to flood the Netrunner. We so there's no sense even like wasting air talking about it. We knew they were going to flood it. Yeah. Huh? Surprisingly little interested in talking about net running in, in this uh, podcast so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as cyberpunk players, we all know that the, the net runner is essentially like a dead class, right? right? Yeah, like, yeah. 
The dude you know, everyone has to be one or no one has to be one. <laughs> like, exactly. 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 And then and then every so often you'll get a group where one guy is just digging in his heels and he's like, I gotta play it. And you're and then everybody goes, Oh man, for reals, you're not gonna be cool about it. And then it's like that you might as well just cancel that game because it's not gonna work. It's gonna fucking fall apart, it's gonna be boring. And um if these guys, if the guys who wrote uh Cyberpunk Red were not able to solve for X and figure out some of the other riddles mm. to more obviously answerable problems in a cyberpunk space. There's no way they were going to figure out net running, which is continually boggles everybody. So, uh, Paul, Eric, did either one of you guys have anything you wanted to say about the roles, uh, good or bad before we move on to aesthetics? I mean, again, it, I, I agree that they changed the skill dramatically, but it would have, I would have liked to have seen them add something new to it. Like, it's not like they haven't had 20 years to think about this. <laughs> 20 years to think about it. Like, I mean, because it, it's, I, and Nubi, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's the exact same roles that are in CP2020. It is the exact same roles. There are no new roles. Uh, the role, the skill, the role skills, this are, dramatically different than they were uh, sure. i would have liked to see new roles that would have been fun uh but this is such a nostalgia play that i didn't think we were going to get it anyways it's like like it, yeah. i i love you know nostalgia like i say nostalgia is a hell of a drug and this is totally like hitting you over the head with your nostalgia from the 90s like which is you know to me, you know, they, they weren't going to change that. I would have liked to maybe have seen, yeah, I don't, like he said, Influencer would have been a, a great reskin of Rocker Boy and it, totally stealing that for the Buzzkill edition. So you could uh, merge <laughs> media and Rocker Boy together with that. Frankly. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I totally think this is a, a an area where they could have they could have used some some reskinning trimming updating. trim. I, I think if you're, if you're not bought into the setting to begin with, uh, and you you don't have some idea like where they fit into cyberpunk, like you don't have a lot of like purchase or like some sort of idea like where you're going to create the character. So you, you're going to have to like take or leave them. Uh, their role playing value because like uh, the, the ability is like I, I have no like connection to them whatsoever. Um, they're they're just like pure role playing spice to me, like pretty much. I, I thought the the laws uh, character background or character ability was particularly bad, where it's basically just calling calling reinforcements. It's like calling some nameless drones to come shoot people for you, and I'm just like, wow, that's fucking great. Uh, GM. Bring, bring some NPCs to fix this problem for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. And, and also in the most ham-fisted way possible. Like, um, you know, let's just get some paramilitary goons to start kicking indoors for me. And, you know, I, I, all right. Like, that just sounds really super, super exciting. Conversely, I thought the media's was pretty baller. I was like, I, I don't know if it was perfect. I think it was still written a little bit, maybe kind of like, like a janky. But it was very close because I came up in my head with like what it is I wanted to see when I looked at their abilities. And I was like, here's the deal. Like, and I, I had a little outline of like, well, what it is I wanted to see mechanically. But you have to be able to play Spider Jerusalem, right? Spider Jerusalem is the 
is the gold standard for how this character is played. I have to be able to come have read some Transmet comics, come in here and be able to play that. And you can. I think it's fine. I don't think it's quite. It's not as polished as I would like it to be, but it's 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 very exciting, and it gets my like role playing chops kind of wet to role play that class. I actually hot take. I think the media is the best role in here. I think mm-hmm. I think I think don't sleep on the media. Don't sleep on the media. He's uh, he they are um, the choicest character class in the entire in the entire game. Um, let's uh, let's uh, move on to the aesthetics. Uh, Paul, uh, show us what you got. Tell us. Let's, let's, what are your thoughts? I think that maybe there 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 are good things. There are a lot of good things in the books. The GM chapter is great, but I I love the art. I love the little ads in it. What it reminds me of. I'm going to give Woodfin a heart attack by saying something positive about Western game Star Wars, but it reminds me about the best best of the Western game Star Wars, where it has and it it's it's the best book I've seen for it since then, where it has like those little ads where it just like it brings you into that world, like there there's it the the it has a consistent art style throughout it, which I think takes you to that place that you know that gritty corporate rundown you know it puts you in night city and i and again like the ads it like it tells you it gets you into like what is what is it like to live in here like oh that's what a bag of kibble looks like and this is what an ad that wants to attract me to buy a bag of kibble looks like and i don't know i love it i i i think it's great i think more role-playing games that have the budget to do that kind of art should do it it's great what do you guys think? What are your thoughts on the on the interior aesthetics? I do. I think the ads are great. I think that, I think the best part of it. I I uh, I I kind of uh, I dislike some of the font font choices in the book overall. Mm. I found uh, I found it kind of heavy and a little bit difficult to read sometimes. Just like because there's a lot of flipping back and forth to find it. You know the part that you want to find. Obviously, I think we've talked a lot about that. You know because the book asks you to do a lot of that. Uh, you know I. Being spoiled on, you know, a lot of, you know, um, you know storyteller books. I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more fiction, you know, to kind of bring me in to, you know, exactly what I'm going to be role playing and, you know, just kind of take me into the setting. Because I do like a lot of the setting, as I spoke a lot about earlier. So I kind of wish that was uh, a little bit more uh, part of the book. I, I know there's this is a substantial book already and there's a lot in it, but I, I kind of miss that. There, there's there three stories in there. there. There are three stories. Yeah, I don't like one. Okay, but fair enough. Fair enough. It just there. There are three short stories in there that kind of go through yeah. the, the kind of the history of 2013, and these two of these are yeah. new old stories from the old books, and then the yeah. third one is about the time of Red, and it's kind of buried in the back of the book, and I kind of wish they had pushed that in the front. To 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 be honest, yeah. Yeah. it's 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 one of those things where like what you're saying about. It's kind of hard, a book that's kind of hard to use. I'll get to that in a minute because I want to talk about art and then layout is part of art. So we're going to get to layout in a second. But like, I, I, I also liked and you know, giving note, like all the corporate logos are good. You know, again, talking about a, a setting that is so rooted in, you know, hyper capitalism and, you know, every, just like a, an extension of, you know, just Paul Verhoeven era, like 1980s 
capitalism, which is very much what this book is. No, that that's that's a very good extension of you know what we should be seeing in a book of this type. So lots of logos, yeah. lots of corporate logos, getting an idea of what you know Biotechnica is and Arasaka is, you know, and, and all the, the associated corporations and subcorporations. That's very important. I think this book does do that very well. What are your thoughts, Richard? The art, um, I really enjoyed all the art pieces throughout the book. I would have given them, you know, we talk about on here a lot about digital art versus hand-drawn art. I, you know, I think this is the kind of game you could go even further into the digital space a little bit and made it even, you know, more deeper pictures because a lot of them feel kind of flat. It's it's oddly flat, even though even though there's stuff in the background, it feels oddly flat. Uh, that's just a weird nerd thing. But like, I I really enjoyed the I, I enjoyed a lot of the 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 pictures. I would have liked some homages to some of the bad covers of the old day, old days with the good bad covers where it was like the chrome people and stuff like that. I would have liked some more chrome people because that was totally a thing back in the day. I would have liked the chrome ladies for you, Richard. Yeah, you well, you know, ladies. look, everybody has a time when their kinks start getting formed and, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Uh, but like, I would have liked, I would have liked some more variety in the artists I feel like the there's not as much variation in style throughout the book, which I know most people will be like, oh, but it's it gives you more cohesive aesthetic. I'm like, no, this world is should be so varied because it's this massive overarching earth is amazingly diverse in its uh, styles. And I would have liked to have seen because the covers of the old books, those were Japanese artists. So like, um, Bring bring in some more variation in style, and I think it would have made the book f- and would have felt more even bigger, right? This even though you know it's a fat book, but it should feel bigger, and it doesn't from the art. Like I, I'm having a hard time summoning a picture other than the ads. The ads are amazing. I love those ads, but I'm having a hard time summoning art from this book into my head. And that's not great when I've been living with it for six months, essentially. That's, that's interesting. I um, I take all your points. All of you, I think, have made really strong points. And and Richard, I, I do agree that they probably could have had some like a more diverse like realm of art in here because it did see, it does seem like they kind of drilled down on like gritty white dude badassery and as as part of the art kind of stuff that maybe you're kind of familiar with from like video games, sort of like. Here's like a dude that looks kind of like a robot with a machine gun. And here's a person who looks like they're mostly human with a machine gun standing next to the robot dude and stuff like that. Uh, That said, and usually I hate this digital art crap. You know me, I'm like always fucking shitting on it and talking about like, oh, we should get back to pen and ink. I love the art in this book. I think it's really evocative. I really love how kind of um, desaturated everything mm, is. That's true. A super a super counterpoint to the uh, previous edition, which had which felt very neon and everything felt very clean. It was it was definitely like a different version of uh, of the shitty future where people it was you know in the in the late eighties everybody was like yeah man future's gonna be fucking morally terrible but like very clean and like now everybody's like no it's gonna be even worse than you thought and also it's gonna be dirty. And I like I so I like the way it looks. I like the way it looks, like the way it feels. 
Some of the uh, art really gets my blood up to run the game and make me, makes me excited about it. I would say that for a core book, the ratio of bad art is very low. Like, mm. usually, like, especially in this day and age, like, I've seen some real dodgy fucking art inside books. And this, this book is almost 100% killer, almost no filler. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. Kind of getting to what Eric was hinting at about the layout. Uh, I have mixed feelings on the layout. On one hand, all of the red and the weird fonts make it hard to find specific information. Like it just feels like just pages and pages of these like red tables. You know, it feels a little bit overwhelming sometimes. But I feel like the fonts that they use in terms of um, the space between letters and like the size of the characters makes the pages breathe pretty easy. So it doesn't give me like a headache to look at the, it's not like the actual individual pages are not like overwhelming. Um, and, 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 and again, because this is a nostalgia product, it gave me a real nostalgia bug. Feels like an awesome traditional game. It feels like a 1990s core book. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the fact that as a book, it has a certain kind of lack of polish to it. Yeah, that's reminds true. Reminds me of the nineties before the art of like making a role playing book had just been cranked out. You know what I'm saying? Now it, it, it feels a little kind of homey. Which I which I sort of dig. Um, but my counterpoint to that is the fact that when I ran this, I had three copies of this book open. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. I had my physical copy open, and I had two PDFs open. Yeah. And to me, that is a real failure of... I mean, I'm all for, like, you know, doing the layout to the level you can get a layout at. Okay. But I feel like so, whoever laid this book out didn't try to use it. Well, and, hang, and, on, hang and, on, hang on. There's a difference on some level, I think, between layout and organization. Mm, and whoever okay. laid out this book was told to organize information in a certain way. And I felt I feel like they did a good job. I don't know if they're the same person. Yeah. They're the same person. They were like, well, we should divide up character creation into like three slices and then move it throughout the yeah, book. Yeah, put, yeah. The, put the character skills at the end of the regular skills. Uh, because organizationally, this book is a fucking train wreck. It's just like, oh my God, are you fucking for seriously? But in terms of layout, the pages look nice and they, and they make me feel good when I look at them. Uh, and, and, they, so. and they, you breeze right through a lot of, you know, tables you and stuff. It's, it's very easy, to, but like to, to Eric's point of like the fonts, like, I feel like you could have picks, I mean, getting into nerd, you know, nerd fonery. Like, I feel like you could have gotten some slightly better, more readable fonts and still gave you, gave a flavor, but I understand I do where that that can kind of break down. So it's an art unto itself. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, well, gentlemen, I feel like we've really raked this book over the coals. Let's just go through and give it a grade. I mean, I know that's like kind of asinine, like a school grade, like school marm. Like, uh, let's just give it a grade and then just say, would you play it? Won't you play it? Or would you like like maybe give it a grade, a letter grade and then say, would I run it? Would I play in it? So, uh, Richard, let's start with you. You're the stand for this game. What 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 grade do you give Cyberpunk Red? 
uh, on its report card. This is going home to mom. Okay. Smith's going to open up the letter and you'll look at it. Fuck. All right. Um, I'm going to answer the <laughs> second, the second and third question first, and then I'll That's answer. Fine. Okay. Would I run this game? Yes, I would run this game. I have run cool. this game. I would run this game again. Would I play this game? Yes, I would play this game. Cool. The overall grade I give this is like a C. C? Yeah. I, I really okay. want to love this. It's a lot of my standness to like bring this up levels. There's a lot of great stuff in here, but it's like there's just all there's these walls that you hit mm-hmm. as you're using it, as you're going through it that you have to climb over and I couldn't climb. I want to give it a higher grade, but I can't. And that's that's fair. Really heartbreaking. (laughs) Uh, Eric, Eric, what do you got? Uh, So would you would you run? Would you play letter grade? uh, I think I think uh, I think I would I think I would definitely run it. I would want to play it. I think there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff and background in it. I think, uh, yeah, same problems, the organization. I think uh, overall, you know, the know kind of the some of the same questions and problems i was having with vampire the masquerade and kind of run double with this game like what is what is cyberpunk red's place in 2020 actual 2020 are like a really big question like um i don't really know that um you know a lot of people's questions you know i, I are, are really gonna not be unanswered by this book because it doesn't really update itself very well um other than the setting um you know, people's ideas of cyberpunk now are kind of more defined by the matrix and ghost of the shell and like a lot of Japanese products, which like kind of get into like questions of identity and like personal uh, issues, which are not really addressed at all in this book. And like, we kind of moved on from Blade Runner and like all the William Gibson stuff, um, which this book does not really touch on at all. Um, That being said, I think there's a lot of like interesting you know, backgrounds and, you know, I think the system, the core systems are kind of interesting, but the, the book is a kind of a nightmare to maneuver. So like overall, I would say I, I, I would give it a C as well. Awesome. The, that, that was, that was a fiery hot take, dude. Thank you so much. That was, I, that was really well said. Paul, would you run, would you play letter grade? There is no way I would ever run this. It's way more crunchy <laughs> than what I want to do. Like there, there's no, I would play it though. I, mm-hmm. I I think I could handle the level of crunch running one character and not having to populate an entire world full of people with it. Um, as far as an overall grade, I I'm I'm gonna join the chorus and probably give it a C, but I'm gonna break it down a little bit. So as overall grades a C, I would give the back half of the book probably an A. I think mm-hmm. the setting, if you want like a, a setting that's going to immerse yourself tell you where this place is and not require you to bootstrap a setting in your brain and you just want it given to you and you wants to take you there. I think it's great. I think it has one of the best GMing sections I've ever seen in a role-playing game, like condensed together. That said, the system is probably, I would give it a D or what I would tell you is go back and buy CB 2020. Cause that's basically what it is. Um, I, you know, I it, the system does not work for me, and there are definitely problems with the layout. But it, it I'm getting pulled in two directions, and that's why I'm going to meet in the middle and give it a C. So yeah, yeah, I think I think that these takes are all are all really strong, 
and I'm in the same position. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of closer to where Paul's at in terms of would I run it. Like the fact of the matter is, is I would tell myself that I would definitely, um, I would definitely want to run it. And this is the kind of game that I could definitely be like uh, having that taste in my mouth and like wanting to do it and I like, get a group together. And then I'd start working on it. And I'd be like, Oh fuck, what have I gotten myself into? Holy shit. This is just a real big ball of wax. Um, so if I'm honest with myself, I'm going to say I wouldn't run it. Like, I'd want to run it, and then I would find out that it's beyond me. Um, I don't have—I just don't have the bandwidth to take it in. You know, would I play it? Absolutely, I'd play it with my friends. And then I think that if I played it enough, and I kind of got the shorthand, that might launch me into a spot where I'd be able to run it. You know. Uh, but having to learn this game front to back and then explain it to people and then have them ask me questions and, and, and arbitrate on them, I, I, I don't have I don't have the I don't have the bandwidth for it. Um, my grade also is a C. Same reason. You know, I my I came up with my C before I even asked the question. I think it's really interesting how consistent our views on it are. It's uh, overall disappointing from a perception of, or from the standpoint of like, well, this is a game that we all have a connection to and we're all very excited about and we all wanted to see it go somewhere. And then it was just kind of like, I don't know, it was almost like showing up at like the mini golf place that you remember from high school and you're like, and you're like sick, it's the mini golf place. And you just saw that they like repainted it and you're like, oh, everything looks so small and tawdry now. You know what I'm saying? Um, Without the good like kind could, of tawdry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They could have, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just like, yeah, you didn't do anything within 20 years. <laughs> Not one thing, huh? Um, so, so, uh, you know, it's disappointing to give it that grade, especially how much we all looked forward to this game coming out. However, um, so I think it's going to get a, it's going to get a hard C. We're going to put a hard C on the report card, send it to Mike Sponsmith. And I think a tear is going to like roll out of the side of his eye because I don't think he wanted to deliver a C grade. I think he wanted to deliver a fucking top tier role-playing product i guess the caveat at the end of the episode is just um it's not unsalvageable right yeah you know it's not an f it's not an f or a d i i might even be like if somebody was like well is this a c plus or a c minus i'd be like yeah it's a c plus yeah. c plus yeah it could be yeah, it's fair you know um so if if this is if this is interesting subject matter for you if this is an interesting game or you want to revisit cyberpunk or you're you're new to cyberpunk role-playing but you're like i don't know which game i should buy it's it's worthwhile to check out you you know like i said it's the fucking number two on goddamn drive through and i think they've blasted through selling out two print runs of this fucking thing already mm -hmm. so there's people out there who have it which means you're going to be able to find people who who also have it maybe want to play it um still so be able to get a group I don't. I, I can't say that it's not worthwhile, but I will have to say with a heavy caveat, you're gonna put. You're gonna have to put your back into this thing, to make it to get it off the ground. So, um, uh, Paul, Eric, I just really want to thank you guys for taking some time on your Sunday, coming down, bringing it together for the cold. You guys, fucking, you guys rock these episodes, and I love your insights. I love your takes. I love the little kind of community that the four of us have, exploring these ideas. I hope you'll come on for our next deep dive. I know I'm looking forward to it. I think that the Full Metal RPG Cold is looking forward to it too. But thank you so much for the time and effort that you put into these reviews and these character creations and these episodes. Uh, Richard, 
uh, again, man, you've, you always go above and beyond in creating this stuff. Thanks again for putting together the episode. And thank you to all of our listeners, all of our patrons. We've got a brand new uh, regular style episode coming up on the 15th of April. And we'll be back to the black hole. We'll be back to Patreon announcements. We'll be back to all that shit. Come find us on Discord. Come play Rot March is coming like any day now. I swear to God, any fucking day now. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Of course. Have a good night. Ugh.